Alrighty, welcome to another episode of the Church Lies Podcast, the podcast where we expose the lies of the church one scripture at a time. I am your host, E Dove, and I'm joined by my co-host. Hey, what is up, everybody? This is Doc. Uh, hopefully everybody's been doing well with all this craziness going on, but just remember, um, I got nothing. I, I I I thought I had something. But I I got nothing. Well, today is Saturday, Shabbat, February twenty seventh, twenty twenty one. One more day until March. We're inching mm-hmm. closer to the beginning of the year. The weather has finally broken. We can go outside a little bit. So. Uh, Hard to believe that we had a whole snowstorm last week. Yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. I actually had a had a bit of a cold during the last podcast because I was out there uh, in in below twenty degree weather, <laughs> and uh, yeah, as soon as I breathed in, all I was doing was coughing. I was like, "Wow, it's that cold." So hopefully, we won't see it anymore. Uh, but you never know. You never know here in the St. Louis area. Yeah, so, very true. Right. So today, we are going to finish up Jews, Gentiles, and Judgment. So if you haven't listened to any of the previous episodes of uh, this series, Jews, Gentiles, and Judgments, Judgment, please go back and listen to it because it puts uh, everything that we're going to say today has been put is was put in context in previous episodes. So we talked about who uh, the real Jews or the real Israelites are. Uh, it, it's not the um, quote-unquote Jewish people. It's the, the scattered people, people who are scattered to the four corners of the earth, according to the scripture. It's the people who are under the curses and plagues and punishment of Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28. It's the so-called Negro. Okay, so we went over that. We explained it through scripture, all of that. Then we went over uh, who the quote unquote Jewish people are and how they uh, have no ties to the land um, and how the scripture uh, also confirms that. But we, we, we also discuss how or, or why it's so important to know who's who, especially in these end times, because there's so much going on now and people don't even realize that we're in the last days. They don't even realize that, you know, we are, we are at the point where the plagues have been unleashed in the earth. And that when the plagues have consumed everything that they're supposed to consume, Messiah returns. His people are gathered. The people who are still scattered, they are gathered and brought into their kingdom according to the scripture. And so we're going to get into the judgment, how the judgment plays into both Israel and the Gentiles. So let's get started. First thing I want to do, or first thing we're going to do is talk about Esau. The reason why we have to talk about Esau is because Esau is very instrumental in 
end times prophecy. Um, everything, mark of the beast, uh, the beasts of Daniel, the beasts of Revelation, all of that. He's very instrumental in that. But Esau is connected to the so-called Jews, the Ashkenazis that we discussed, I believe, in episode two of the series. And so what I want you to understand is that, and it's, I want you to get into this a little bit more. God don't love everybody. <laughs> he, 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 he don't love everybody. I, like, it's some people he love and some people he hate. Exactly. I I don't it's, know. It's going to that a little bit. I I don't know where they got this notion that God don't love every by logic. Like if you read the word, if he's a mighty man of war and he loves to war, um, who like who who is he fighting? Like people that he also loves or people that he hates? <laughs> like by like. Whenever I hear like, oh, you know, God loves everybody, he loves all this stuff. I'm like, that that would actually go well with the um the good times Jesus thought process that everybody that a lot of Christians have, that a lot of people have, that you know, you know, he's just a hippie, a hippie God that, you know, he just loves every everything. It don't really matter what you do, it don't really matter what conflict con like what sins you commit, as long as you um as long as you say you believe, you get to die and go to heaven. It's a perfect cover for those people who operate in wickedness to essentially just try and deny the fact that they're wicked by just saying, well, you know, God loves me anyway. So, you know, I could just keep doing what I'm doing when the word is pretty clear that he does hate people. He There's no love this there's no love the sinner not the sin type of thing like he hates the wicked the wicked are like people who operate in it in iniquity people who operate in iniquity not no not not um so not some um imaginary thing that's just out there no it's people so he does hate people who operate in iniquity and iniquity just means lawlessness and lawlessness means you're going you just disregard the law you know the people who say that the law is done away with. <laughs> so, right. He like good good luck trying to uh, talk to the Most High by saying, you know, I I love you. He'll look at you like, well, I don't feel the same. <laughs> so, um, and then on top of that, there are verses and there are also verses is where he'll tell people like who he hates, like uh, the one verse of Jacob I've loved and Esau I hated. Like that's right. um, pretty cut and dry. That that whole notion. Right. That he loves everybody is just completely and utterly false, like mm -hmm. completely and utterly false. And we need, oh, well, not we, these people who are operating in these churches, who are operating in these outdated, just completely asinine doc uh, doctrines, need to start telling people the truth that not only does the Most High hate, he has a specific people, a specific type of people that he hates. And in order for us to essentially turn truly turn we have to uh go back to the law we have to turn back to the commandments because right. of the fact that we don't want to be in that group that he hates and we also we have to unlearn that notion that he loves everybody because yeah it's just not true it's not 
something that's in the word. There's not something that's supported by the word. Is not something that um he would even condone. Because to condone right. loving everybody would be would mean to condone sin. Would be would mean to condone iniquity, and that's just not something that he's about. Like from the start mm-hmm. to the finish, he's never been about that. So, mm-hmm. I, I think that the the idea that you know God loves everybody came from uh, John three sixteen. Yeah, there's any verse that any Christian knows it's going to be John three sixteen. For yep. God so loved the world, the world that He gave His only begotten Son. You know, and you know, obviously, it's taken out of context. Yeah. You know, the Scripture lets us know clearly that there are multiple worlds and the specific world that he was referring to was the world of his people yeah the world of Israel. that that is something that we definitely need to delve deeper in just the concept of precepts because mm-hmm. people are like that's something that we weren't even taught while we was in the church that john three sixteen mm-hmm. is a precept it like mm-hmm. there's no it's not like he just came out of came with that out of thin air like oh yeah you know he's just a great philosophizer or whatever that he like that was a precept dating back to the old testament and if you go to that verse it'll tell you who he's specifically talking about in terms right. of like who is the world who is the world and who did the savior come to save right but people thinking that oh he said the world it means everybody no 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 you need to look at that precept to see what world he's talking about, what world he's referring to. Because that also leads into the notion of that that whole, oh yeah, he loves everybody. No, he, he makes it cut and dry that he does not love everybody. Also to go along with that, um, with that particular passage, um, mm. it will, let's see, where was it? Oh. Amos 3.7. Yeah. And how he specifically says that he only knows Israel. <laughs> he he don't know he doesn't know anybody else. So mm-hmm. how, how does he love everybody when he don't know everybody? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he, he said he only gave his judgments to Israel. Right. Yep. He he doesn't know everybody. He he don't mm-hmm. care about everybody. He only cares about his people. He said that he like pretty much all the other deities got their own portion, their own lot, if you will, their own people right. that worship them. That, whereas his lot is Israel. That's all he cares about. If anybody wants to cling right. on to Israel, then he'll start caring about you too. But in the grand scheme of things, he only cares about Israel. Mm-hmm. Psalm uh, 147, 19 and 20, he declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and his judgment to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any nation. Man, who? A nation is ethnicity. Yes. Yeah, so. And as for his judgments, they haven't known them. So he, he's only dealt with his people. The other people don't know him. And the reason why we have to explain that is because if the Most High doesn't love a people, it's because they don't love him. Right. And right. there's a specific people mm-hmm. <laughs> who... He does not love, and we're going to talk about who those people are because those people are connected to the Gentiles and connected to the judgment. 
So let's go to Revelation chapter 3. And we're going to go to verse, uh, let's see, I think we're in verse 9. Yeah, we're going to go to verse 9. So um, this is Revelation. This is one of the uh, one of the letters that uh, John wrote to one of to uh, the assembly of Israelites in Philadelphia. And so um, let's start at mm, let's start at verse seven. And to the angel of the assembly in Philadelphia, write these things: says he who is holy and true. He who has the key of David, who opens and no one shuts, shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door. No one can shut it, for you have little strength. Yet you have kept my word, my commandments, and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet to know that I have loved you. So if he's saying that it's a people who are Jews, who say they are Jews, but are not, but they lie. He refers to them as the synagogue of Satan. If they are of the synagogue of Satan, can they love Elohim? No, that's pretty. Yeah, no, they, they can't. They, they, they can't. They, they love Satan. They are of his synagogue. And so if they hate him, he must also hate them. Yeah. Now, let's connect who these people are. Because remember, he said um, in, in the end of verse 9, I will make them come and worship before your feet and know that I have loved you. So now we're going to see who does he love and who does he hate. So, Is, you got Malachi chapter 1? I'm going to get there momentarily. You said Malachi. All right. Oh, Malachi, Malachi chapter, chapter 1. Verse, uh, let's see. Let's go verse 1 through. Oh, 1 through 4. Okay. Yep. So. Starting at verse one, the burden of, and this is the King James version, uh, the burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, said the Lord, yet ye say, wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, said the Lord, yet I love Jacob. And I hated Esau and laid his. Okay, right there. Oh. Right there. Hold on. So we just read that the people who say they are Jews and are not but lie who are from the synagogue of Satan, they will come before Jacob's feet and say and acknowledge that the most high loves Jacob. Yep. Here he just said, Jacob I love, but Esau I hate. Okay, keep reading. And laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Whereas Edom, Edom saith, we are impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places, thus said the Lord of hosts. They shall build, but I will throw down, and they shall call them the border of wickedness, and the people against whom the Lord hath indignation forever. Okay, so so we see here twice where the Most High says he hates Esau. He said in verse 3, 
but Esau I have hated. And then in verse 4, these are the people against whom Elohim will have indignation forever. He said that he now, hated Esau as a staff, record label, and as an MF and crew. Right. <laughs> right. So the reason why I mentioned that book earlier, Who is Esau Edom by Charles Wise? I, I think I mentioned it earlier, but if I didn't, I'm saying it again. Who you need to get the book? Who is Edom? Esau by Charles Wiseman. He shows who Edom is and makes the connection between the Ashkenazi Jews and Edom. Those two groups of people mixed at a certain point in time in history. And they are the people that are running most of your banks, businesses, large corporations, promoting things in the media, all of that type of stuff. So there's a reason why he said he hates a certain people. Now, we also have to remember this. Edom is the father of Rome. I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> Edom is the father of Rome. And if you know anything about Rome, you know Rome is the fourth beast that Daniel saw. You also know that Rome is the same beast that John saw in Revelation. So if Edom and uh, the Ashkenazis came together and they built Rome, the same Rome who persecuted the Israelites. And you know they call America the new Rome. The DC, DC looks just like the Vatican. Mm -hmm. the, the way it's laid out. DC is between the Virgin Mary, Virginia, Maryland. The, the, the clues are all over the place. And the reason why we have to point this out is because the Most High said that he would judge Esau. He would judge those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews but are not. He would judge those who conspired against his people. And so we, we, we have to understand who is who. So when you see Edom in the scripture, understand that those are the descendants of Esau. Also understand those are the creators of what will be known as the Roman Empire. Okay, so let's get back to the scripture. I think Obadiah was next, right? Yes. Yeah, Obadiah is next. So let's go to Obadiah because he talks a little bit more about what he's going to do to Edom. Remember, we're talking about judgment. We're talking about judgment, and we're going to show you how the judgment um, of the Most High against Edom and these other nations is playing out now. Yeah, We're going to prove the, it to the you. The interesting thing about Obadiah is that I don't remember ever learning about Obadiah. I, I don't no. remember us talking about Obadiah. I don't remember us reading mm -hmm. Obadiah. I don't remember, like, there was a point in time where I completely forgot Obadiah was even a book <laughs> because mm -hmm. 
I mean, it's one chapter, but the information in that chapter is so cut and dry as to how the Most High feels about Edom and Esau that mm-hmm. you there's no there's no way of like if you continue to say, "Hey, yo, he loves everybody," or you know that everybody you go on a heaven notion, or if you just believe, and uh, you go ahead and just throw that out the window. Oh, um, mm-hmm. with uh, Obadiah, the vision of Obadiah. Thus said the Lord God concerning Edom. We have heard a rumor from the Lord, and an ambassador is sent among the heathen. Arise ye, and let us rise up against her in battle. Uh, behold, I have made thee small among the heathen, though art greatly despised. The pride of thine heart has deceived thee, and thou hast dwelt in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, that saith in his heart, Who shall bring me down to the ground? Though they exalt thyself as an eagle, and though thou set thy nest among the stars, hence I will bring thee down, said the Lord. If thieves came to Hold thee, if robbers by night, how art yes. thou cut off? Yes. Hold on. I, w- I want to go back to uh, verse four and point something out real quick. Um, You said in verse four, though you ascend as high as an eagle and though you set your nest among the yep. stars. What... What what nation is the symbol of the Oh, eagle? that's America. America. That that exalts his, herself high. The same America that persecutes Jacob. The same America that is founded by Rome, Edom, Esau. I just want to point that out. Go ahead. <laughs> if these came to be, if his thieves came to thee, if robbers by night, uh, would they not have stolen? Till they had enough. If the grape gatherers came to thee, would they not leave some grapes? How are things of Esau searched out? How are his hidden things sought up? All the men of thy confederacy have brought thee then to the border. The men that were at peace with thee have deceived thee and prevailed against thee. That they eat thy bread and laid a wound under thee, there is none understanding in him. Shall I not in that day even destroy the wise men out of Edom and understanding out of the Mount of Esau? And the mighty men shall be dismayed to the end that every one of the Mount of Esau may be cut off by slaughter. For thy violence against thy brother Jacob's shame shall cover thee, and thou shalt be cut off forever. In the day that thou stoodest on the other side, in the day that the strangers carried away captors, captive his forces and foreigners entered into his gates and cast lots upon Jerusalem. Even thou waste wast as one of them, but shall not, sh- but thou showedest not have looked on the day of thy brother in the day that he became a stranger, neither shouldst thou have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction. Neither should thou have spoken proudly in the day of distress. Hold on, is. Um, I, I I hope y'all caught verse yeah. eleven Be, because verse verse eleven is is very powerful. Think, think about it. He said, "In the day that you stood on the other side, in the day that strangers carried away captive his forces, when foreigners entered his gates and cast lots of Jerusalem, uh, even you were as one of them. But you should not have gazed on the day of your brother in the day of his captivity." 
nor should you have rejoiced over the children of Judah. Understand, he's talking about the descendants who went into slavery. He's talking about the transatlantic slave and trade. how Esau had so a hand in saying, it, and how Esau essentially right. stood by and watched and participated in these actions, uh, where he mm -hmm. saw his brothers, his brother being torn down, and you rejoiced. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And. You know, a lot a lot of Israelites say, you know, Esau is the white man. That's not true. It's not true. The white man is he is the stranger that the scripture is referring to. He he is not Esau or Edom. He just operates in his kingdom. Um, there are there's plenty of documentation to prove that um white people got Jewish funding to get those ships and bring us over here. There's, there's plenty of documentation that proves that. Just, and so just what a, he just is a doing. Note, um, this ain't, this no. ain't no anti-Semitic rant. Just got to preface this out there. You know, this isn't anti-Semitism right. or anything like that. We're not coming out and saying, oh, we hate these people or this specific type of people. There's uh, proven documentation that these people had like that, um, people who had Jewish faith had a hand, a decisive hand in the transatlantic slave trade. Absolutely. And in the Absolutely. Civil War. Fighting for Absolutely. the Confederacy. Mm -hmm. So when, when we understand that he, the scripture is literally talking about Edom, Rome's hand in this, this, uh, the slavery of the children of Judah. Because remember, the transatlantic slave trade, they came after the children of Judah. The rest of the Israelites, the other 10 tribes, were scattered out throughout Africa. But Judah was along West Africa, the Bantu kingdom, the, uh, the Bantu dynasty, um, Togo, Ghana, Nigeria. That's where many of our people were. That's where Judah was. If you look at a map in the uh, 16 and 1700s, it says kingdom of Uida or kingdom of Judah. And so they knew that the children of Judah were the ones that they were getting and scattering all over the world. This is what they knew. And so the Most High is saying, you're going to be judged for what you did to his people and after we go through this scripture we're going to talk a little bit about um the the, the quote-unquote white man's hand in this because you got to understand those are two different people the jewish people and so-called white man are two different people they're two different people the white man operates in rome but the so-called jewish man is the one who who runs rome you understand what i'm saying if you think i'm lying go look Go look up something called APAC, A-I-P-A-C, the most powerful lobby in America. They sanction all of the politicians, presidents, congressmen, senators, judges, all of them. They have to go through them first. They run all of it. America is white in the face, but it's run by Rome. Yeah. Keep going. Ed. So... Thou shouldest not have entered into the gate of my people in the day of their calamity, though 
Yea, though shouldst not have looked on their affliction in the day of their calamity, nor have laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity, neither should have should thou have stood in a crossway to cut off those who of this that did escape, neither shouldst thou have de delivered up those who those of his that did remain in the day of distress. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the heathen, as thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. Thy reward shall return upon thine own head. For as ye have drunk upon my holy mountain, so shall all the heathen drink continually. Yea, they shall drink, and they shall swallow down, and they shall be as though they had not been. But upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness, and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. And the house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Esau for stubble, and they shall kindle in them and devour them, and they shall there shall not be any remaining of the house of Esau for the law, for the Lord has spoken it. And they of the south shall possess the mount of Esau, and they of the plain the Philistines, and they shall possess the fields of Ephraim, and the fields of Samaria, and Benjamin shall possess Gilead. And the captivity of this host of the children of Israel shall possess that of the Canaanites, even unto Zarephath, and the captivity of Jerusalem, which is in Sepharad, shall possess the cities of the south. And the saviors and saviors shall come up on Mount Zion to judge the mountain of Esau, and the kingdom shall be of the Lord's. I mean, he, he, he's letting you know that he's going to destroy completely it. destroy it. The people who destroy these people. The kingdom of Esau will not be, you know, will, and there, there won't be anything. No, no, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be uh, completely horrible. And one thing I want to point out is verse 15 for the day of the Most High upon all nations is near. All nations. Edom rules over all nations. Isn't that yes. what the scripture says? The scripture says that Rome, that that beast, the last beast, would rule over the entire earth. Rome orchestrated the transatlantic slave trade. Rome was behind the hand that sent our people to the four corners of the earth. And so every nation that has our people is going to be under punishment. And what are, what are we looking at right now? We're looking at a world where all nations are under punishment. And what did he say? As you have done, it shall be done to you. We're going to come back to that because there's some other scriptures that point that out. Um, but we, we are going to come back to that. So let's go. Let's go to the next scripture. So hopefully thus far you can see that. Uh, the most high doesn't does not love everybody. The people who hate him, he hates also. And the people who hate who he hates are the people who destroyed his people. And he said, they're not going to get away with it. Their judgment is coming. And we're going to get into many of the prophecies that discuss that. But I want to look at this real quick. Numbers chapter 24, verse uh, 17 through 20. This is a prophecy from, um, I believe it's Balaam who's speaking. Either Balaam or Balak. 
I think I think it was Balaam, um, who who was speaking, and he was prophesying about the future Messiah and how he would come back to um, destroy all Jerusalem's enemies. Remember, the disciples thought that the first time Mashiach came, he was supposed to come to destroy all of Israel's enemies. This is the prophecy that they thought he was he came to fulfill the first time, but. He didn't come to fulfill it the first time. He, he's coming back to fulfill it the second time. So let's let's start at verse 17. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. Talking about our savior, Yahushua. A scepter shall rise out of Israel and batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of the tumult. Now, you don't know what a tumult is. A tumult is basically a confederacy or a conspiracy. And we're going to talk about that because Edom and some other nations, remember we just read in Obadiah, he said all nations he was going to judge because Edom was at the top, but there were other nations involved in destroying Israel. He's going to mention some of those nations. So, uh, and batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of the tumult. And Edom shall be a possession. Seir, which is uh, the, the mountain that uh, Edom originally inhabited. Seir also and his enemies shall be a possession. While Israel does valiantly. Out of Jacob, one shall have dominion and destroy the remains of the city. Now, this is the part I want you guys to, to pay attention to. Then he looked on Amalek. He took up his oracle and said, Amalek was first among nations, but shall be last until he perishes. Now, the reason why I want to point out Amalek. Now, we here we go. We giving you. I'm giving you my opinion. I cannot confirm nor deny this, but I have done research, and there's some research that I found that points out that the so-called white man can trace his lineage back to Amalek. I just want to point that out. And the reason why I want to point that out is because what does he say about Amalek? Amalek was first among nations, but he shall be last until he perishes. So Balaam is saying that Yahushua is going to come and he's going to judge Edom, Amalek, and these other nations. For what they did to his people. Now, there are many scriptures in the New Testament where Yahushua says, the first will be last and the last will be first, right? <laughs> and so when I read this, where he says, Amalek was first among nations, but shall be last until he perishes. And then I go and I read uh, Luke 13. Starting at verse 27, but he will say, I did not know you. Where are you from? Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and the prophets in the kingdom and yourselves kicked out. They will come from the east and the west and the north and the south and sit down in the kingdom of Elohim. And indeed, there are last who will be first and there are first who will be last. To me, that's saying that the roles of 
the different nations will be reversed. He just said that what you did to Israel will be done to you. We just read that in Obadiah. He also said in Numbers, Amalek, you was first among the nations. Like I said, go, go look it up yourself. I've done research that indicates that the so-called white man Caucasians can trace their lineage back to Amalek. Okay? That's just, that's that's me. That's what I've seen. So, who's first here? <laughs> who's first? This is so-called white man. Who's last? The so-called Negro. But in the kingdom, it's going to be switched. He said they will come from the east and the west and the north and the south, and they will sit down in the kingdom of Elohim. And indeed, there are last who will be first. And there are first who will be last. So I, I believe that this scripture in Numbers is referring directly to the end judgment. Now, I'm, I'm telling you my opinion. I'm, I'm giving you my, my scriptures that back it up. I'm connecting the dots. Whether you agree or not, that's, you know, you grown. You do what you want to do. But to me, he's, he's pointing out very clearly that he's going to judge his people and that there are people who think they're going to get in, but they're not. Because you were just talking about that before. Well, I can do iniquity because I, I, I believe I'm good. I can do what I want to do because I'm good. And he's going to say, depart from yeah. me. I didn't know you, you worker of iniquity, you who did not keep my commandments and who destroyed his people. So I want to get back to uh, the tumult. So he said in uh, Numbers 24, verse 17, he would destroy all the sons of the tumult. Now, the scripture talks about the tumult. <laughs> he talks about the tumult in Psalms. David. David talks about that in Psalm 83. And he talks about who the sons of the tumult are. And you will see certain names of, of certain ethnicities and nations of people who help destroy his chosen. So let's let's go to uh, Psalm 83, starting in verse one. We're going to go down through verse eight. So this is David crying out to the most high. Do not keep silent, O Elohim. Do not hold your peace and do not be still, Elohim. For behold, your enemies. Jacob, he loves Esau, he hates. Those are the synagogue of Satan. They are his enemies whom he will have indignation forever. He don't love everybody. Check, check it out. Your enemies make a tumult and those who hate you have lifted up their heads. So once again, we point, we're identifying the fact that there are people whom the most, who hate the most high and he hates them. And who are these people? He says, it's the enemies who made the tumult. Let's see if they're some of the same people that Balaam talked about in Numbers. They have taken crafty counsel against your people mm. and consulted together against your sheltered ones. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel be remembered no more. Out of all the people in the world, who's the one people that don't have their own nation? They don't have their own land. 
They don't have their own identity because it was taken from them, the so-called Negro. So come and let us cut him off from being a nation that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. For they have consulted together with one consent to form a confederacy against you. Mm -hmm. Now he about to start naming names. The tents of Edom. There we go. Edom again. And the Ishmaelites. Many of the Arab nations. Moab. Moab again. The Hagrites. Gebal. Ammon. And Amalek. Felicia. With the inhabitants of Tyre. And Assyria has also joined with them. And they have helped the children of Lot. So you got to go do research to see who Lot's children are. But David is very clear. He's very specific about who has um, destroyed his people. Now, you need to do research about on who is who. But we know who Edom is. Edom is the descendants of Esau, Jacob's brother. Now, there, there's some confusion uh, among many um, Israelite circles, educational circles, because, you know, what they say, well, e Edom is he he's he don't have melanin now. But back then he did. Remember, the so-called white man, there's no documented history of him prior to 2000 years ago. The, there was one, a point in time where the entire world was black. So, again, these nations mixed over time okay so you have to keep that in mind but there's amalek again remember the scripture said in numbers he will be first among nations but then he will be last until he's destroyed edom and then ishmaelites the arab nations we talked before about how amos prophesies about how the middle east is just going to be torn up and it's, it's happening now the middle east is in all type of chaos goes directly back to boom, the, the tumult, the confederacy against his people. Elohim is very clear about who hates him and why they hate him. So he don't love everybody. He is judging the nations as we speak. And we're going to get into some specific judgments that's happening right now. And we're going to show you how these things are unfolding and how they will continue to unfold according to the scripture. All right. It's how we doing. Yeah, we doing all right. Good. No, that um it, that that's Ishmaelites with an H that my name don't have. I got nothing to do. I, yeah. <laughs> no, you ain't got nothing to do with it. <laughs> no, just wanted right. to <laughs> mention that. I got nothing to do with that. Right. Right. So let's see. We, we read Luke. Okay, yeah, here, here we go. Here we go. We're almost at the end, y'all. All right. So now let's get into um, Genesis. So we're, we're going to deal with the 400-year prophecy. And, you know, they're still arguing and still debating over, you know, what the 400 year prophecy is and and uh what it means and is it is it yeah, now people, it was like, it being still, all that you time. still have uh christian pastors and people like that coming out and say well that that was when they were in egypt when no even like 
even when you um, add up all the numbers, even though they were in Egypt for over 400 years, they weren't in ca captivity in Egypt for 400 years. They were in captivity in Egypt for a little over 200 years. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you could go ahead and, um, and knock that one out and because they were, and it wasn't no, right. oh, you know, they were oppressed for 400 years. No, they were perfectly fine for about 200 years. And then it came to a point where the uh, the current pharaoh did not remember or didn't take into account pretty much the agreements and everything that they had with the children of Israel that the uh, other pharaohs honored. Right. So he was like, who, who are these people? Oh, right. that's them. Oh, well, they got to go into slavery. That's pretty much how it happened. <laughs> All right. The, the, the scripture says in Exodus that um, the, so, the sojourn um, in Egypt was 430 years. But again, like you said, that they, they weren't oppressed that, that entire time. They were, they were not oppressed for 430 years. All you have to do is look at, trace the lineage of Joseph to Moses. And because they, they tell you how many, um, how, how old everybody was. Because remember, under Joseph, Joseph lived to be 110. They, uh, they were not oppressed under Joseph. He sent back to, to get his father, Jacob, and his brothers and their families. They brought 70 Israelites to Egypt, and they lived. They set up shop in Goshen. Joseph lived to be 110. He died. His sons lived. They died. Then Moses came. And during the time of Moses, that's when the oppression really came forward. So we know that the 400 years is not that time. Plus, the, the, the scripture doesn't. He's not making mistakes. He didn't say 430 or I meant 400. No. One instance was 400. Another was 430. The 430, they weren't oppressed the whole time. The 400, they were oppressed the whole time. So let's, let's read it real quick. So Genesis chapter 15, starting at verses 12, we're going to go down to 14. Now, when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Uh, then he, Elohim, said to Abram, know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them for 100 years. And also the nation or the ethnicity whom they serve, I will judge. And afterwards, they will come out with great possession. Now, we've mentioned this before on the podcast. It's not an accident that the first Negro slaves got here August the 20th, 1619. 400 years later, August 20th, 2019. Couple months after that, COVID ravages the world, causes all type of economic hardship, causes all type of death and destruction worldwide. Because remember, we, we didn't just come, our people didn't just come to America. We were scattered throughout the world. And we're still scattered throughout the world. And so if after 400 years, he said the nation whom they serve, I will judge. And afterwards, they will come out with great substance. I used to tell uh, people this. When the Most High judges these nations for what 
they have done to his people. The judgment will be so bad that they will no longer be able to oppress us. And as we can see, that's already beginning to happen. It's already beginning to happen. The police don't have the influence that they had before. They're, they're starting to acknowledge us as a people and promote and push us as a people. The, the, the level of oppression is dwindling. Because remember what, what we read in Obadiah. He said, what you did to them, it's going to be done to you. And so if we've entered this time of judgment, and we're going to prove to you a scripture that we have. If we've entered this time of judgment, we have to understand that the things that are happening in the earth, they're going to continue to escalate. But the escalation is not going to be to destroy his people. The escalation is, is to destroy these other nations, the sons of the tumult, the confederacy, the enemies of the most high. So we have to understand that as the judgment that we are seeing continues to unfold, and we're we going to say this again, we're going to say this again, we all have to repent. Not just Israelites. Israelites have to repent from for not keeping his commandments, following these other gods, serving these other gods, following the ways of the Gentiles. That's what we have to repent from. What these other nations have to repent from is their treatment of us. Their treatment of us. Because he said he's going to destroy them because of what they did to his people. And see, they're not going to repent from that. It's going to be just like Egypt. He's going to keep sending plagues until they can't take it no more. And they say, go, leave, go home. That's what's going to happen. That's what he said in verse 14. The nation whom you serve, I will judge. And afterwards, you will come out with great substance, great possession. That's what happened in Egypt. Came out with gold, silver, cattle, rubies, jewels, all type of possessions. Same thing going to happen here. Go read Isaiah 60. <laughs> it's in Isaiah 60. Same thing is going to happen. All over the world, we're going to come back home. But not until the judgment's over. But again, we have to point out who the judgment's for. It's for the sons of the tumult. All right? Now, let's keep going because we're going we're gonna to come up again to some scriptures where he said he would judge those who destroyed his people. So let's see. Let's go to... Let's do let's do Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 1 through 10. I want to key on. I want to key in on verse 7, but let's let's start at verse 1. Now it shall come to pass when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where Yahuwah your Elohim drives you, and you return to Yahuwah and obey his voice according to all that I command you today, you and your children with all your heart, with all your soul, that Yahuwah will bring you back from captivity. Hasn't happened yet. We're still in captivity. And have compassion on you and gather you from all the nations where Yahuwah has scattered you. So he said, when we return and keep his commandments, 
He will gather us. That's why it's so important for us to get back to these commandments. If any of you are driven out to the farthest parts under heaven, from there, Yahuwah will gather you. And from there, he will bring you. Then Yahuwah will bring you into the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. He will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. And Yahuwah will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love Yahuwah with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. Now, here's the part I want to get to about the judgment. Also, Yahuwah will put all these curses on your enemies and those who hate you, who persecuted you. So we just read that in Obadiah, <laughs> that the things that the um, that Edom did to us would be done to them. And he's saying here, all the curses that he put on, on you, he's going to put on your enemies. Well, we, we just went over the curses not too long ago. Being scattered. And we're going to get to some more scriptures that prove uh, that he's, he's going to scatter those who scattered us. Being scattered. Building houses and not dwelling therein. Being enslaved, not having uh, a voice, not being able to stand up for ourselves, not being able to deliver our children. These are the things that is coming to them and actually are already here. They're being forced to take vaccines and there's nothing they can do about it. Mm. That sounds familiar. Forced to be a slave, ain't nothing you can do about it. Being, being destroyed as a people, sickness and disease ravaging our people. Remember, that was one of our curses. The botch and the itch from Egypt. It, what we talked about last week is all the cases, over 50% yeah, of the only, cases are not us. <laughs> we only about 12, 12 yeah, 13% of the cases. Disproportionately, disproportionately affected by it, but the numbers don't support it. Mm -hmm. he, he's already putting the curses that's on us on those who hate us and those who persecuted us he's already doing that he's turning the tables and so we have to remember not to follow the ways of the Gentiles not to do what they want us to do not to take their vaccine. Not to celebrate their quote unquote holy days, which are an, as unholy as can be. Not to serve their gods, follow their Christianity. Remember, all of these people who did all of this wicked stuff to us, they did it under the authority of the church. They did it under the authority of the Roman Catholic Christian Church. So why should we follow that when the Most High never called us to? We have to get back to his commandments so that we can escape the judgment. Because he wants his people back and he's going to get them back. But those who refuse to return to him, 
you will suffer the consequences that the Gentiles will suffer. The plagues, death, mourning, famine, they are here. They're not coming, they're here. So again, we're going to keep going. We're almost done. So we, we talked about, we just talked about in verse 7, Deuteronomy chapter 30, how the um the curses that were on us is going to go on our enemies. We're going to show you specifically where that's at in the scripture. Because he said he would do it, and he said why he would do it. Joel chapter 3, starting at verse 1. For behold, in those days and at that time, when I bring back the captives of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. I will enter judgment with them there on account of my people, my heritage, Israel. So at the end, he still wants his people back, which means that these so-called Israelites cannot be his people because, hey, they've already been gathered and sent back to Israel. We should all be celebrating and everything should be fine. No war, no nothing. We all good. No, that hasn't happened yet. So he still wants his people back. So. Uh, on account of my people, my heritage, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations, and they have divided my land and have cast lots for my people. Check this out. They have, have given a boy as a payment for a harlot and sold a girl for wine that they may drink. Tell me that's, that's, that ain't talking about slavery. Tell me that's not talking about what they did in slavery. Indeed. What have, what have you to do with me, O Tyre, Sidon, and all the coasts of Philistia? Will you retaliate against me? But if you retaliate against me swiftly and speedily, I will turn return your retaliation on your own head. Because you have taken my silver and my gold and have carried into your temples my prized possessions. So this is talking about the destruction of um, Jerusalem under Rome. Okay, again, we're still dealing with Rome. Check this out. Also, the people of Judah and the people of Jerusalem, you have sold to the Greeks that they may, I'm sorry, that you may remove them far from their borders. Behold, I will raise them out of the place which you have sold them and will return your retaliation upon your head. I will sell your sons and your daughters into the hand of the people of Judah. And they will sell them to the Sabians, a people far off, for Elohim has spoken. So once again, we have another example. What you did to his people, he will do to you. That's what he said in Obadiah. Deuteronomy. The curses that's on you being sent into slavery. I will put them on your enemies. And now here we have a confirmation in Joel chapter 3. I will raise my people out of the place that you have sold them. That's him gathering us up after the judgment. And I will return your retaliation on your head and I will sell your sons and your daughters into Judah's hands and they will sell them off to the Sabians. Sabians are, is, a, is an Arab group, believe it or not. And so we have yet another example of how the curses or to leave us and fall on our enemies. It's already started and it's going to continue to unfold. 
All right. So we, we're going to read one more. No, we got a couple more scriptures. And it's like uh, chime, chime in anytime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you, you got something to say. All right. Um, yeah. Let me see. We, okay. So now we're going to um, Revelation chapter 13. This, and we're going to do um, 9 and 10. So this is talking about the beast. And the beast that he was talking about. Is the last the last beast, the uh beast of Rome. So starting at verse nine, if anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. So he's telling you right now, this is what you've done to my people, this is what I'm going to do to you. You have led my people into captivity. I'm going to lead you into captivity. You have killed my people with the sword. I'm going to kill you with the sword. And then he says, here is the patience and faith of the saints. We know the saints are his chosen people. The sins of Israel. See, see, all of this stuff cannot happen until his people begin to return and keep his commandments. And we're already starting to do that. We're already starting to do that. The more we keep his commandments, the more judgment falls on them. And the sooner the judgment falls on them, the sooner we get up out of here and we take them as a possession. According to the scripture, these ain't my words. These are the words of the scripture. So, again, like he like he just said, he who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. Who led us into captivity? Edom. Rome. Amalek. These other nations. They must go into captivity. Who killed with the sword? Edom. Rome. Amalek. These other nations. They must be killed with the sword. This is how we know things not going to get better. It's going to get worse. Because remember... He just said in the chapter before Revelation 12, he prepared a place in the wilderness for his people to go and hide during the judgment. So we're not going to be in these cities, many of us. And there are people that's already leaving these cities because they know what's coming down. The judgment is, is not coming, it's here. The Most High has risen up off his throne to judge the nation. Now, we talked about Abraham in Genesis chapter um, 15. Abraham wrote down what he saw. He wrote down everything that he saw. The scripture says that Abraham, well, the Most High said to Abraham, the nation whom they serve, I will judge. Abraham saw the judgments. Go look this up. There's a book called The Apocalypse of Abraham. Abraham saw the return of the Messiah. He saw um, the first return of the Messiah. He saw uh, Jerusalem getting destroyed and his people being carried away captive. And he saw the final um, state of his people before the end judgment. And he saw the last plagues in the earth. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a few of the plagues just so that you can see what's taking place. And then ask yourself, 
have the plague started. Because remember, he said these plagues at the same time where he said the nation whom you serve, I will judge. So I'm reading from the Apocalypse of Abraham and I'm reading um, chapter 30. And while he was still speaking, I found myself on earth. Now, this is Abraham speaking. And I said, eternal El Elyon, I am no longer in the glory which I was above. And all that my soul desired to understand in my heart, I don't understand. Then Elohim said to me, I will explain to you the things you desire in your heart. For you have sought to know the 10 plagues which I prepare for the heathen. I prepared them beforehand in the passing of the 12 periods of earth. Here, I will tell you what they will be. So the 10 plagues coincides with the judgment. The nation whom they serve, I will judge. The first plague, sorrow of much need. Tell me sorrow of much need is not happening right now. COVID has caused sorrow of much need. Couldn't, couldn't get masks for a while. Couldn't get toilet paper for a while. Millions unemployed. So bad that they got to print thousands of dollars and just give them to people. Businesses shut down. Can't go here. Can't go there. The stuff that we used to can't, can't do those things anymore. Sorrow of much need is going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Plague number two. Fiery conflagrations of the cities. I think that's that's going to be um, future mass riots to come. Um, I believe that I've seen that. Uh, I had a dream in 2007. And I didn't know what I was seeing. And what I saw was a com complete chaos. I saw tanks in the streets. I saw troops in the streets. They weren't all black. Um, telephone poles were pulled down. Traffic lights were pulled down. Buildings were on fire. Way worse than any type of uh, riots and protests that we've seen up to point, up to up to this point. And I heard the Most High say "war zone" to me. The streets were so bad you couldn't drive on them. They had been blown up by tanks. And what's crazy is, in the dream, I was driving a white minivan. And I thought to myself, why would I be in a white minivan? Because I had this dream when I was in college. And, you know, recently, well, not recently, maybe a couple years ago, my wife and I bought a white minivan. And I didn't realize that we bought the minivan that I had in the dream until a year after we bought it. And it was the most high just showing me that when you are in this minivan, when you have this minivan, that's when the period of judgment is going to be. And here we are, COVID, mass economic chaos, mass social chaos. It's going to do nothing but continue to escalate. And so Abraham was shown exactly what would happen and how they would happen. And I'm going to keep reading for the sake of time and then we'll, we'll be done. So the third plague, uh, destruction by pestilence among the cattle. The fourth plague, famine of the whole world. The fifth plague. Among the rulers, there will be destruction by earthquake and the sword. The sixth plague, increase of hail and snow. The seventh plague, wild beasts will be their grave. The eighth plague, pestilence and hunger will change their destruction. The ninth plague, execution by the sword and flight in distress. The tenth plague, thunder, voices, and destroying earthquakes. And all of those plagues um, come in different parts in Revelation. 
Right. So we know that this is this confirms the word. Right. You know, that, that we ain't just pulling pulling stuff out of spitballing. This these are all in Revelation. And so verse uh I'm sorry, chapter 31, verse 1. And I will then sound the shofar out of the air, and I will send my chosen one, having in him one measure of all my power, and he will summon my people who were humiliated by the heathen. And I will burn with fire those who mock them and rule over them in this age. And I will deliver those who have covered me with mockery to the scorn of the coming age. And so that's when we come out with great substance, the final judgment, the return of Messiah. This is where we are, family. This is this is where we are. We are at the beginning of the judgment of the most high. We are at the first plague that Abraham saw, sorrow of much need. They will continue to get worse. And the reason why they will get worse is because the nations still will not repent. But we have to repent first. We've been judged for over 400 years because of our lack of repentance. We have to say, Elohim, forgive us for not following you. Forgive us for not keeping your commandments and then start doing it with all our heart, all our soul, all our strength. The judgment is here. The judgment is here. The Gentile nations are being judged. The nations where we're scattered are being judged. The rulers of the earth, they're being judged. And so now we are at a, the point in time where the judgment has begun and it's time for people to start getting their house in order. Things are going to get way worse. Sorrow, we, we're just at the beginning of sorrow of much need. We're about to go through a currency collapse. The, ramif the ramifications of that are just mind-boggling. Sorrow of much need is just getting started. And then we got the other nine plagues to get through. So we're going to say the same thing we've been saying. Choose ye this day whom you will serve. And come out of her, my people. Don't participate in her sins so that you don't participate in her plagues. For her sins have reached the heaven, and Elohim has remembered her iniquity. Therefore, her plagues will come on her in one hour death, mourning, famine. Make a choice because the judgment's here. And ain't no praying it away. Ain't no taking the vaccine to make it's it go away. It's as simple as that. Like far too often, we we've been conditioned into thinking that um that this is just a game. It's all for show. That um, the Most High's word, uh, we can just do whatever we want to it. We can edit it. We can disregard some portions while taking in some portions, manipulate other portions. But you're supposed to take the word for what it says and take uh, the Most High for who He is. And for us as a people to blatantly disregard some of the stuff that he says because it doesn't make us feel comfortable, that's the point of the word. It's not supposed to make you feel comfortable in terms of the things that you have to do in terms of the law that we're supposed to be abiding by because you're supposed to be different from everyone else. It's supposed to set you apart from everyone else. Um, right. It's like that's why this law has punishments for not keeping the law. 
this this why this law has such power and why people want to downplay it because they don't want to be beholden to such a standard because the standard's real and the standard is the standard the law is the law mm-hmm. otherwise why would why would people spend so much time trying to edit time to trying to downplay like we said in previous lessons no other book has been edited as much as this word has no other um no other deity has been mm-hmm. um renamed and hidden and um downplayed as much as uh Yahweh has and that should spark just some questions mm-hmm. like okay what is it what is it about this word um is so controversial when compared to other pieces of text we have texts that people will defend to the death oh well uh even though this says that Jesus will be burning in feet in hell and feces, you know, that, you know, that's just a footnote and no one questions it. But the moment we, hey, yo, we're supposed to follow the law. Oh, hey, hey, you know, the law has been done away with. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Wait, hold up now. You must be one of those Israelite type of people. And it's like, that's in the word that you claim to believe. Like, that. nobody, um, Right. wrote that in it was already in there we're just saying hey yo maybe we should start doing this and then all of a sudden the the bible police well you can't even call them bible police because they don't even read it the the christian police come out and say oh well, you know uh, you know we're supposed to love everybody you know uh, we didn't know the law's been done away with when they can't even point to a point in text where it says that as a definitively in the Old and the New Testament. They'll come out and point to something in the New Testament that is already, like, that can easily be disproven and just stick in the New Testament, not even realizing that all the stuff in the New Testament has to be confirmed by the Old Testament. <laughs> so, all the stuff that they're talking in the New Testament yep. has to be confirmed by the Old Testament. The people in the New Testament didn't have the New Testament. They only had the Old Testament. So all this notion that all, you know, we're not supposed to uh, go by the Old Testament anymore. We're supposed to go by the New Testament. When the very people in the New Testament went by the Old Testament, it kind of makes you look foolish. (laughs) Because you're saying we should disregard, we should just disregard the works that the people that I believe in believed in. What sense does that make? What do they do that at? <laughs> so when right. it comes to these judgments and, and the things that we're talking about now, it shows that this is a very real thing. This is a very real thing that we should not be disregarding, that we should be turning back to the laws, the statutes, the commandments, the ordinances, everything that we've been taught to disregard because what's to come is going to be so much worse than what is currently and you won't have the luxury of the excuse of well i didn't know i couldn't do that no like he ain't like the most high ain't gonna be trying to hear it then when judgment comes and you're standing before him and he's gonna be like hey yo so how come you didn't listen how come you didn't follow the law you can't you won't have the excuse of well i didn't know i couldn't do that well i didn't know that blah blah no it's too late then so this is pretty much about that time for you to make a decision now if you choose one way or the other i mean we 
we would much rather you choose the law, but you know, what your choice is your choice. We ain't trying to stop you. We ain't trying to uh, force your hand or egg you on or anything like that. We're just presenting the information that was that we researched and that was exposed to us to you. And it's up to you to make a decision on whether or not you want to heed to what we say or not heed. Who cares? You know, I'm just, we're just glad that you're here with us, listening and all that stuff. But yeah, that's all I that's that's all I got to say. Like you, it's just time to make a decision and to let go of what you've been taught to let go of those um questions well to let go of those answers that you've been given to the questions that were never answered that didn't make sense you asked about one thing they gave you an answer you're like that has nothing to do with what i asked or that that's just sound that i don't know that feels wrong i don't know that that doesn't sound right and you know you had those questions and you know you've been given those answers so it's about time for you to start making your own decisions about your faith and quit allowing people who are who have titles to make that decision for you, to point you in the direction of their philosophy, as opposed to point you in the direction of the word, uh, to point you in the, to um, give you the word and then give you their thoughts on the word as opposed to um, allowing the word to dictate their thoughts. So make a decision. You, you see what it is. You know that you've had these questions. So start reading the word for yourself and start hard, start critically thinking. Start. Start. <laughs> and start starting. Right. Hey, I, I couldn't agree more. And uh, I'm going to say one, one thing and then we're going we gonna to go. Uh, we we don't we don't get a dime for for doing this. Um, you you always have to ask yourself what how if somebody is trying to get you to believe something or get you to convince uh, convince you of something, how does it benefit them? We we don't get a dime for this. We're not monetizing the podcast. This takes time out of our uh week you know we, we don't make we don't make any money off of this um but your pastor is making money um off you listening to them off you going to their church and off, off them not telling you the whole truth not telling you what's really going on so you have to always keep that in mind um, anytime anybody is trying to tell you something. And, you know, I, I believe that the most high is using this podcast, or at least uh, those who listen to the podcast, uh, I believe the most high is, is speaking to you, trying to get you to wake up and see what you're supposed to be doing. And it is a difficult decision. But we live in difficult times and we cannot afford to follow lies anymore. We cannot afford to follow man anymore. We cannot afford to follow uh, what everybody else is doing. We can't afford to follow the herd anymore because doing so is extremely expensive. Um, 
So, like like it said, you got to make a decision. Make a decision and, and live with that decision and keep it moving. People don't like it. They don't understand it. It is what it is. They will understand it as things continue to get worse. Because if you're listening and you hear what we're saying, and as you see these things unfold, you'll be able to say, man, Doc and Edo was talking about this on the podcast. Like what they were saying was was true. What they were saying came to pass. So hopefully you uh, follow the most high before it gets to that point. Because when it gets to that point, it's going to be an even worse world than we're living in right now. So until next time, always remember, the most high is true, his word is true, but the church is alive.